guess it's true what they say about you people. Can't trust a fucking word comes out of your mouth. What's the matter, John Rue? I hurt your feelings. As a matter of fact, you did. I know I'm the only black son bitch you ever conversed with, so I'm going to cut you some slack. But you got no idea what it's like being a black man facing down America. The only time black folks are safe is when white folks is disarmed. And this letter had the desired effect of disarming white folks. Call it what you want. I call it a dirty fucking trick. You want to know why I lie about something like that, white man? To another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Your hero has arrived. Guess what? This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd Radio featuring Captain Kirk. Unfortunately, Captain is out on assignment. So you have little old me for Delph, as they say on the street. Another surprise. And I believe he's waiting in abeyance. So, Mr. Simone, please bear with me. We've got to give you your props. Mr. Andre Simone. Minneapolis legend, premier musician and producer is in the house for a second appearance, a long time waiting, long time no hear from. Um, folks, to be candid, just this gentleman and his cadre of Minneapolis musicians had a profound effect on my development. And I'm sure on your development as well prolific musicians that the world has never seen before, and we may never see again. Uh, his childhood friend, 
Mr. Nelson, you know him as Prince Rogers Nelson, uh, left the planet April 21st, 2016. And uh, listen, as a supporter of Mr. Simone's music and, of course, of uh, many of the artists coming from Minneapolis, you, you, you think you know these folks, but it's, it's hard to explain when you are, when you are a supporter of, of this kind of music. And when these people leave, you really feel it. Uh, I told folks on that day, we had, we had several special shows for Mr. Nelson's um, passing, that I, uh, folks, folks came to me. Folks came to me because these, these, these musicians mean so much to me. They came to me on that day and said, are you all right? Uh, you know, how do you feel? Th- this, was, this was as if someone in my family passed. So um, I, I have to reach out to the remaining members of the family and connect and, and tell them how much I appreciate what they've done for me, my friends, and family. And um, I think there's a legacy that has to be protected. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Mr. Simone's illustrious career, production skills, his musicianship. There's just a lot of things going on. Donald Trump is in office. (laughs) Satan is on earth. I'm going to be blunt with you. There are things going on. 2016 has been a rough road. So, Mr. Simone, hold on. We've got to give you your props. We're going to give you about two minutes of a tune that he recently released in September that is so on point for the times that we are living in. So let's give you about two minutes of superior musicianship, superior funk and rock from Minneapolis. This is Black Man in America, Mr. Andre Simone, giving it about two minutes. We'll be right back. Let's certainly groove. We'll be right back.
phaser regretfully power of funk very difficult for me to move get out of that groove once again the mighty andre simone black man in america without further ado let's bring the gentleman in mr simone is that you andre simone is that you Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs> Hello. Andre, can you hear me? Andre. Yeah. All right. Hey, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Let's make sure our connections are, are on point. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you good. Okay. Okay. Terrific. Terrific. Um, thank you so much for stopping by for round two. It's been a long time. Um, listen, uh, first of all, my, my condolences. Um, we're, we're almost you know, going out towards the end of the year, and, and mm-hmm. I wanted some time to pass a little because I know – that something like that is a, is a pretty pretty rough burn. Uh, again, as yeah. I said at the top of the at, at the top of the show, as a supporter, <laughs> I people it was no lie. People came up to me and said, "Are you okay?" <laughs> because they knew mm-hmm. that I was so closely connected to your friend's music. So um, I, I have to reach out to the Minneapolis folks because um, I, I I really feel. That maybe 2016. I mean, we just lost Sharon Jones, so yeah, you know, we have some we have some powerful talent that, especially at this time, we need you people. We need you. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me stop talking, and uh, and also to the listening audience. Of course, we're speaking to Minneapolis legend Andre Simone. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Give us your thoughts about um, the the legacy that that we have lost, because we certainly have, and and how how you think we can at least try to protect it. 
man, it, you know, it's it's so hard to even know where to begin because yeah, we, we have, we, we've lost, you know, we've all lost, you know, a, a big part of our, um, you know, I guess an identity, you know, you know, that I think we all identified with because, you know, obviously Prince was somebody who just, you know, when he came onto the scene at the time that he came onto the scene, there was nobody doing what he was doing, you know, and that's just period, <laughs> you know, it just didn't exist. So I think, um, you know, to talk about what we lost, you know, I think, you know, if you think about the landscape of, of artists that we have now and, you know, and, you know, just in what's been going on and doing tributes and people trying to pay, you know, their respect, you know, it, it really shines a bright light on what, on what we've lost because, you know, in trying to get people to say, you know, Hey, who can we get to do a tribute, you know, and who can we get to be involved? And you realize that there's so few people who actually play instruments not there's not not like there's not any because there is and don't get me wrong and there's some very talented people out there but you know of his level and of his caliber it's it's very very you know far and few between so you know what we've lost is is hard to really put into uh, in the word especially for me because it's you know it's um it's something extremely personal you know and to be honest you know I you know it's it's hard for you to ever know when you lose somebody like that. But for me, you know, it it took some interesting, you know, people to really make it hit home for me. Because, I mean, I was really, you know, in my own mind, I was thinking to myself, he's not gone. This, You know, he's, I was thinking, well, he's, he's just, you know, BSing people and he's just, you know, he's just (laughs) doing his thing. No, I really thought yeah. that, you know, because there was a yeah. there was a couple reasons why I thought that because you know some strange things were were, were happening before he before he passed, and I thought, well, mm-hmm. but you know, it took um, you know, believe it or not, talking to Morris Day, you know, because um, you know I got involved in the the tribute they had that his family had invited me and asked me to be a part of in uh, in Minneapolis, and um. And, you know, it's, it's ironic because I had been talking to Morris, you know, and, and I hadn't seen Morris in probably, Scott, maybe 10 years or something, long time. And we were talking and he was like asking me how I felt, you know, about Prince and, 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 and passing and all of that. And, and I thought about it, you know, because I really, it really still hadn't hit me quite yet, you know, and because he was going, because, you know, I know y'all been through a lot, man. You know, you guys go back even before me, you know, and I, and when he said that, and I thought, you know what, that's true. I really hadn't thought about that because obviously, you know, you know, I brought Morris into the into the into the group, and so, you know, I hadn't really thought about it from that standpoint. And I thought, wow. And then what what it did was it made me think about the dude that I knew back then, and then I realized the dude that I lost. That's the you know, I mean, because the prince that everybody else knows, you know, and that you know, icon and all the different things that he's done, you know. Um, that's one person, but the dude that I knew that I, that I, you know, that I saw that first day when I, you know, um, went to the gym, gymnasium and, you know, decided I'm gonna go stand next to this guy and and we got to become friends. That's the guy that I realized I lost. And so, um, the odd thing was, you know, I was supposed to be on stage doing Dorothy Parker, and I was back there, you know, basically backstage having an emotional moment. And then it didn't hit me until I heard, you know, Morris Hayes saying, Andre. And I was like, oh, snap, I need to be on stage. And so I, you know, I ran out and, you know, but, 
you know, it's amazing. It's just hard to really put into words the loss. I mean, this that brother is just, you know, he will definitely be missed. But you know, I will I will say this is, um, and I've said it before. You know, his music is his immortality. You know, I mean, you know, because his music is never going to die. And I think, you know, um, he's left so much amazing music, not just amazing music, but he set the bar for entertainers, you know, to, you know, at, you know, at, at such a level that I think, you know, for years, we're going to be looking at that. But a lot of people are going to be looking at that bar going, damn, that's high. <laughs> you know? But we got to get it, up there. It is. So that's, that's what's going on. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you something else, um, because especially when it comes to black culture, and I don't like to mm-hmm. always racialize everything, but it seems like we're at this moment now where we may be revisiting or you have folks out here that, we're, that, are, gonna re- that are trying really hard to bring us back to a pre- previous time. And, I, and I, you know, just like you, I'm, I've become very reflective as, I'm, as I've gotten older. And mm-hmm. I, I'm looking, I even saw some of your, your earlier footage when you were Dick Clark. He's no longer with us. And mm-hmm. I was looking at you, and I, I remember um, when, when we saw, saw you cats, if, if you were a, a teenager or younger, we looked at you as just, okay, this type of musicianship is something that happens every day. Um, mm-hmm. This harkens back to what you just spoke about. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up on, on, on Stevie Wonder. I grew up on Stanley Clark. I grew up on uh, on on uh, my father's on a lot of my father's music, uh, Wicked Pickett, Wilson Pickett, all those people. Right, right. Uh, so when you listen, when you had that kind of that kind of musicianship, you take it for granted that this is just the way it is. Um, yeah. Now, uh, when I saw one of your early footage, you know, bro- clean brother, everybody's clean, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was able to connect you, believe it or not, to Barack Obama. That that the, the the first early faces of black excellence in musicianship and even being able to navigate in a multicultural society. The fact that you mm-hmm. you as a as a black artist on bandstand, even mm-hmm. though this was in the eighties, you know that you know people are just starting to get comfortable and start to see excellence. So when we start to see all these artists that we took for granted and where we are now with a, with a black man about to leave the White House, all that has to be tied in. So I guess what I'm, asking, right. you, what I'm, asking, what I'm asking you now is uh, I'm concerned about the legacy of the Minneapolis sound. You were one of the, the chief architects of the sound, no doubt. So I was just thinking, I was just thinking that you know, Michael Jackson. I was listen. I was I was a fan of his too. But we're not. We're talking about musicians versus someone. And I know people are going to hate on me, but musicians versus someone who is uh, an entertainer. Uh, musicianship exactly. is a little different than just being entertainer. And this is no hate towards the Jackson family and all that stuff. But I know that even even him, Neverland Ranch is practically gone. Plus Presley Graceland is still with us. And it's, it's the second most visited house in the country, if not the world, Graceland. So now I'm thinking, damn, you know, the Minneapolis sound, I could see a Andre Simone Boulevard. I could see a, a Morris Day Lane. 
I could see a Prince. I'm, I, I'm assuming going to be a Prince Rogers Nelson uh, Street something. I mean, that's what I would expect. And I have a suspicion that there's going to be a set of folks that are not going to allow that. They're going to try to diminish what you and and your your friends and family have accomplished musically. You have any? Do you think? You know, I mean, I know. You know, to me, it's, it's a tough sell, but I, I think, yeah. You know, I, I'm a, I'm very concerned about the protection of the, the legacy and the culture. What are your thoughts about that? Well, a couple of things. I mean, one thing is I don't I don't I don't think Minneapolis um, will ever forget Prince, and I think he he will definitely be honored with some sort of a street. He, he'll be honored, um, you know, with you know um, some form of a community center or uh, you know I mean there should be a statue. I, I would I would imagine at some point erected in his honor. Um, and those, these are things that I'm going to try to do what I can do, you know, um, to try to, you know, see that things like that are done, you know, but, you know, I, but I was, you know, again, you know, I was in Minneapolis doing the, um, the, uh, the tribute and the mayor was there and a bunch of other, you know, um, you know, dignitaries from the city. And, you know, I mean, he already has a day. You know, for whatever that means exactly, I don't know. But you know, they 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 made that particular day, Prince Day, in the city, and they were they were talking about doing things of that nature. You know, of having a you know a street named after him, and so I think those things are already in the works. Now, as far as legacy in Minneapolis Sound, you know, I, I think it's really again, you know, I mean, and you you because I I talk about that a lot. You know, and I'm I'm never I don't care about anybody hating on me, and I, I've never I've always been pretty militant and very very much um, you know I just do what I do, and I just don't care about anything else, and you know that's just my thing. But um, but when it comes to you know talking about um, you know the legacy, you know I think you got to speak up about what you believe in, you know, and I think when it comes to you know Minneapolis and the Minneapolis Sound. I think you gotta you gotta constantly be on record and do what you do, you know. And you know when you talk about entertainers, because that's what I would always say. I, you know, people need to understand there's a big difference between artists and entertainers. You know, artists are people who create something from nothing, you know, and then they create art and they, you know, they actually, you know, take pride in trying to be the best, not just the best that they can be, but the best on the planet, you know? I mean, and I know that that used to be, when we were kids, that used to be our attitude. I mean, certainly it was my attitude. It's always hard for me to speak for anybody else. But I, I just know that obviously, you know, when, you know, we had our band and we were starting out because, you know, me and Prince, we started off together. And I know what my attitude was. My attitude was always, I'm going to rip anybody's flipping head off that came anywhere close <laughs> to a stage that I was on. And we had the same attitude. And so I think that attitude, you know, translates when you get on stage, you know, and I know when we got on stage, obviously when we first, you know, with you know, some of the Rick James stuff, you know, um, you know, we were, we'd go out and after the first couple of songs, we get booed, you know, for the first couple of songs, people didn't know who we were. And I was on the, out there with their pants on and he was out there with spandex or whatever. And we looked, you know, weird freak. But the bottom line is, after about the song, people are like, wait a minute. These dudes 
I'm really good. <laughs> then it was then the boom, <laughs> the cheers, and then the next thing, you know, people were like, so it was interesting to watch that transformation because, like you said, you got to indicate you're really good. You got to have a bar that's high, bars, and you're going after it, and you're really not thinking about anything other than what you do and what you, you know, what you, you know, practiced and how you, you know, just your attitude. You know, people are going to see that because the thing that people uh, respect and resonate is when they see conviction and when they see attitude and people all together and it's it's met up with the fact that you actually did your homework and you actually practiced you know you you you're unstoppable ain't nobody can not too many people are going to stop you from doing what you got to do so i'm not really concerned about it's going to endure you know because obviously prince had you know tons of the music i'm still doing what i got to do you know because i think that you got to speak up for the times we're in now and you're very much right about you know where we're at right now. People take us back. The name of this album that I'm that I'm doing is called All Over Again because I think you're right. A lot of people took it uh, took for you know where we were at. You know all the struggles that got us at. And I think that you know we you know a lot of people got lazy. You know and I think they fell into a system. You know that allowed us to get lazy. You know because I think you know obviously the music business is a weird business. It's geared toward you know, basically pimping artists. I mean, you know, basically you get artists in there that are young. I mean, it's the same thing. You've heard it. They they come in, they're young, they sign them to a three-album deal or something like that, and that's just enough time for them to be exploited and then kicked out the door, and then they bring somebody else in. They make you think it's all about the youth. You know, the youth is what keeps it going and blah, 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 blah. You know, but the bottom line is I'm better right now than I've ever been in my whole life, you know, and that's just a fact, you know. So, I mean, nothing against youth, because I think youth is a beautiful thing. But because I think wisdom is a beautiful thing, too, where you can talk to, you know, youth and have youth learn from what you've, you know, learned, you know, by some of the skid marks and, the you know, hey, you know, getting your head busted and knocked up, you know, one way or another, learning how to, you know, navigate through this business so that you can actually have a career opposed to somebody just exploiting you for a few albums and they kick you to the curb, then you got to start all over again. You got to dedicate yourself to this art, you know, or in entertainment is like I'm saying is different because if you can dance and you can sing, that's great. Again, you got to get in, you got to invest your spectrum of entertainment business and the whole thing. Um, With, Walk walk us back a little bit with, with your your career, um, how you started. I, I would like our audience to be reacquainted with you again. Um, to our listening audience, we're speaking to Mr. Andre Simone, Minneapolis music legend. Um, walk us back a little bit with with how you got started, and and you know we I, I think folks know you more as a uh, as as an artist and, and a fierce guitar player in your own right basis, but mm-hmm. Um, you're also a producer. I mean, you know, you, you've done quite a few acts separate of frontman your, yourself. Yeah, well, um, obviously I started off, me and Prince started doing our thing, you know, in the beginning. It was me, Prince, and Charles, Prince's cousin, you know, just doing, you know, start, 
you know, um, doing what kids do, 71 or two or wherever, three, something like that, um, and just started playing, started playing around town, doing that whole thing, and built up a following, and before you know it, you know, some people started, you know, got some attention, you know, um, started doing some demo tapes, and somebody heard one of our demo tapes, and basically got in and was able to, you know, do the divide and conquer thing, and, you know, was able to get one of us away from the other, and, you know, got you know, Prince got a solo deal, and, uh, you know, said, hey, come with me, you know, I wound up saying, yeah, let's do this, you know, we started doing that, doing his thing, it took a minute, but it caught on, and uh, eventually kind of, you know, things took off, and, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm with you for the, you know, he signed a three-album deal, <laughs> I said, I'm with you for the three albums, which is what I did, you know, did three albums, they did really well, um, and then I wound up doing my own solo thing, and I signed a three-album deal as well, you know, did my three albums, and then they wanted me to do three more, but I just, they wouldn't, I wanted to do rock and roll, because I thought, you know, as a black artist, I wanted to sort of reconnect with, you know, the art of rock and roll, and the fact that it had been lost, you know, and, and basically black, blacks had given it up and said, oh, we don't want to do rock and roll anymore. And I, I just couldn't accept that. I thought, you know, wait a minute. You know, blacks came up with rock and roll. Why should we give it up? Mm-hmm. And it's such an amazing uh, art form, you know, in how you can tell stories that I thought, I'm not giving this up. This is what I want to do. And they wouldn't, you know, they'd sign me as a R&B artist and said, you, you need to do this and cut off the top 10 of the R&B charts and said, we want you to do stuff like that. And I was like, you know, I can do this, but you know, I'd rather do what I want to do. And I, I remember telling, you know, the executive, look, why should I let you put a beard on my Mona Lisa? You know, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember you there when I was rehearsing and learning what I wanted to do. And when I said, I want to do this when I grow up, I don't remember you being there. So I just stopped doing it. And I thought, you know what? I started, and then I did, um, I think my first thing was Evelyn Champagne King. Um, I did uh, half of her, one of her records with uh, Leon. Um, uh, Silvers, and then um, mm-hmm. and then I wound up doing Jody's albums. I did three of her albums, and you know, they did really well. Started doing soundtrack stuff. I did television themes. I did Adamant. Did a you know had a big record with him. Um, did Tom Jones. I did Tina Turner. Um, I did Jermaine Stewart, who was a, a really good friend of Jody's. Um, I did a bunch of stuff, and then you know, then I just I really got tired of the music business and the way they you know, were doing what they did. Cause I just thought this is like, I mean, basically, you know, I was trying to do, you know, um, my own label and they only wanted me to do it the way they wanted me to do it. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to help other people do their thing. So I stepped out of it personally and just started helping other, you know, artists in Minneapolis and, you know, the artists I started doing, you know, international artists, Equity artists, artists from Japan, and just different things like that. And, and then just took a break for a while and then, you know, had had a family, kids and stuff. And then my kids talked me into getting back into it. And because uh, they saw me playing, they said, Dad, you play all the time. Why don't you just, you know, why don't you put another record out? I was like, really? You guys good with that? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And that's what kind of got me back into it. And, uh, yeah, and I thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to do this, when I came back, I thought, if I'm going to do this, I want, it, I want it to be about something. And at the time, it was... Um, you know, it was uh, Barack Obama was being, um, you know, reelected. And I thought, well, you know, 
let me see if I can't, you know, be a, you know, try to, you know, do what I can to try to see if I can, you know, get people involved. And so I, I first song that I did was called America and all the proceeds went to his reelection campaign, you know, um, and, and to try to get people who, you know, you know, were like Andre's back, you know, and when they found out why I was back, you know, they might get involved in the political process. So that was my first thing, you know, uh, when I came back. So got back into that. And then I did the song Vote, you know, um, and then I did Trayvon, you know, a song about Trayvon Martin and all the proceeds for that went to his family and, you know, just started getting, you know, involved in, you know, really trying to, you know, um, you know, be involved in causes. And then, you know, obviously that led me to, you know, where we're at right now with Black Man in America, because uh, I think that, you know, people got to be involved, you know, because, you, you know, what you said in the front of the show, our world is changing, you know, and Donald Trump, I mean, you know, that guy being president just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I wake up every day thinking that this has got to be some sort of a weird dream. But um, but I just think, you know, we really have to be you know, even more now. We have to be on our game and everybody has got to it's got to be all hands on deck. I said that before the election, 46 percent of people didn't vote. So, you know, I mean, we got to be it's got to be all hands on deck and we got to be involved in this thing. And, you know, because so many things are happening. And I think what people don't understand is the reason why things are happening the way that they are is and people need to understand this is that the minority is becoming the majority. And what that means is soon we will control everything. As soon as people understand that, you know. They, they quit believing that your vote doesn't count. Your vote does count. You know, when they quit believing that it doesn't count and you can vote in and understand what that means, because people need to understand it's not just about voting for president. It's about voting for your congressperson, your senator. It's, those are people who, you know, affect you locally and then they go, you know, um, represent you, you know, in Congress. So people need to understand that, you know, and it's as simple as that. You know, and so if you have a team of people working on your behalf, then our world will change, period. And it will be what we want it to be. It will be what we need it to be. You know, health care. I mean, people talk about, about Obamacare. Obamacare didn't work because Republicans tried to make sure that it didn't work, you know. And people need to understand all these things, you know, and they need to look at, you know, what was done on their behalf for them, you know. And realize who was who was trying to work for them and who was trying to work against them. You know, people talking about Donald Trump is going to change things. You know, slowly but surely, everybody said he was a con man. Slowly but surely, you're going to find that. No, he's not going to prosecute prosecute Hillary Clinton. No, he's not going to build a wall. You know, no, he's not going to send back you know, you know, eleven thousand uh, uh, illegal aliens. No, he's not going to have a Muslim regist- registry. None of that stuff. He just said all that stuff. You know, get people know he's not going to, you know, you know, make anybody accountable, bring jobs back. And, you know, Obama's been doing all that kind of all that stuff. The jobs plan, the jobs bill, he's been doing all that stuff. But Republicans, Republicans blocked it all the way. They obstructed everything. They made it look like, you know, he couldn't get anything done because he can't do it by himself. And people didn't vote in senators and Congress people. They, they, you know, didn't understand how that system works. So I'm hoping people understand now that, you know, in order to get all these things done, you got to vote for people who are, you know, uh, have your best interest at heart. And it's not Republicans. So it's, and people are going to figure that out this time. If they don't figure it out this time, 
Because if you think about it, I mean, you go through history and you go go back to Reagan. What did Reagan do? He drove up, you know, debt. Next thing we know, we're trillions of dollars in debt. Democrats come in, they clean it up, and then we're back in a surplus. Republicans come in, they start wars, and we're back in debt again. Democrats come in, they clean it up, and then they, you know, but Republicans are really good at getting people to, you know, think something different than what's really going on. And the next thing you know, they're voting against their own best interests because Republicans say, oh, they're crooks. Those Democrats did this, and Hillary's a crook. She's Benghazi, and blah, 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 blah. The next thing you know, people are all scared, and then they go vote for Donald Trump. And so now we're going to have to deal with it. So, you know, like I said, you know, like you said, artists, we got to be the voice. We got to be now we're going to have to be, you know, representing people have got to, you know, people's got to step up and people have to speak out. and People got to get involved because our time, you know, what's what's going on right now. Things are going to change and we're going to need all hands on deck and everybody's got to be involved. And, you know, I, I think, you know, some of this stuff is what people like myself and artists, it's what we should be all about. This should be a great time for us, you know, to get people involved and to get people to hear what we're talking about, you know, to hear what we have to say. Well, you know, it, it's funny you said that because um, my, my thought process was, um, well, first of all, I, I consider myself conservative, but I'm a black conservative. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not um, uh, anywhere near the way that these folks are operating. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I I say that because I felt like, okay, if we're all if we're all Democrats, and if the Democrats lose, there's got to be somebody, some folks of color on the other side that kind that kind of um, balance things out. But now that's not what's mm-hmm. happening. And right. um, and and what the thing for me is that because of what happened with um, the election, I'm I'm thinking well. Maybe we can get some good art out of this <laughs> because it's. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you, well, you hate for it to be. <laughs> you hate for it to be that way. But I'm wondering. I've never. I have never seen a point in history where not that you want times to be bad, but when times are bad mm-hmm. and you're up against the wall, the artists are supposed to come in and throw down. And right. I have this fear. I have this fear. We we may not see enough artists because we see so many folks asleep. You know, I, I grew up listening to living in, living for the city, uh, right. the public enemy stuff. Um, hell, sign of the times. I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's yeah. always always something um, that was going on. The music that you were doing, mm-hmm. you know, surviving the '80s. I mean, there, there was always yep. something that let you know. Uh, I mean, I've never, I've never been in a situation where I didn't hear music that was the background, but what was going on. If it, w- if it was informative, or not only was it informative and talented, it, it could make you shake your booty and all that too. But I feel mm-hmm. like we are somewhat asleep. And I thought, we're, we're, this is, this is bad. You got people referencing Nazis. Nazis are, are becoming right. normalized. So we don't right. have the yeah. music, at least the, the art. To address that, well, you, you have to you have to step back and think about what has transpired over 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 the years. You know, I mean, think about it. You know, I mean, because again, it comes down to politics, and a lot of people don't understand how politics works. And you know, people hear words like globalization, and they hear words like um, lobbyists, 
and they don't know really know what all that really really means. And that stuff is globalization. Basically, to put it in a nutshell, is rich people making money off Americans without hiring Americans. Period. You know. So I mean, it just hollows out. They've hollowed out our country, and then they've made you know, and lobbyists come in and they go into government. And they hollow things out, so they make laws. So you can't really sue corporations, you know, because they, you know, they went in and they lobbied and they made a cap, and a cap on how. So basically, you know, it's hard to get a good attorney to want to take a case against any large corporation because they can't make that much money. So I mean, they took the teeth out of, you know, your your way to fight back. So what that did, it opens up everything, and it, made, it makes it easier for people to all sorts of things. I mean, you got mergers happening, you know, that weren't you know allowed before, where big companies can take over other big companies, and they can merge. You got chemical companies that can merge with pharmaceutical companies, which makes no sense, you know, because you know then you have to trust people who aren't trustworthy. You know, you have to trust that when you spray you know, your Lysol on the bathtub that some chemical company hasn't figured out a way that just a little bit of that mist comes out and can give you, you know, um, asthma. Not enough to kill you, but enough so that you go to the doctor and say, hey, listen, you know, I got this thing going on. They say, oh, here, you need this. You know, and then, then it comes to these commercials that you see that, you know, that, you know, that if you think about it, you, they never those commercials never used to be on. Now they're on all the time. We used to laugh at them, right? You know when they say all the side effects. Basically, it can kill you. It can kill you. So you go from <laughs> from having a little you know sneeze to now taking something that you know will get rid of the sneeze, but you know it might kill you. It might cause you know all sorts of other <laughs> things. But here it is. But it, it's just you know we've we've and so again you know we have to recognize what's going on and. People have to get involved, you know, otherwise our world, you know, is going to just spiral completely out of control, you know. And, you know, and again, to, to get back to the point, and I think, you know, with, you know, being afraid that artists aren't going to be able to speak up, you know, corporations run record companies. And corporations want, you know, and because, again, they've merged, you know, so, you know, some corporation that owns the record companies also has some television. They don't want artists going on saying bad things about, you know, what's going on in the world. You know, somebody like me, I mean, they don't want people like me being able to speak and, and get people interested in what's really going on in their lives. They want people to forget about that so they can do business as usual. You know, but the problem is, you know, and too many artists, like you said, they get lazy, you know, and they get paid you know, because if you if you really look at it, I mean, American Music Awards is a great example. They had a handful of artists out there. That same handful of artists that oh, that's involved man. in every show all the time. You know why? The same because ten people. Those artists, the same ten people. Those are the same artists that are under those labels. They're under control, and so they're feeding people. What you know, it's like it's it's not even it's it's not even art. It's just it's it's basically a Disney show. People are watching a Disney presentation and they don't they don't even realize it. And it's a watered down version of what should be going on. It should be art. It's not art. That's just a Disney presentation in a different package. And people just buy it because they got nothing else. And it's all, you know, because the network has it and it's all a neat, nice, neat package. And they got the, you know, 
the flavor of the week and this artist and they bring that artist on and you know, history, Hollywood, that's the line in the song. Image of the black man ain't no good. They put out the image they want people to see, you know, whether it's in films or it's in music. They're feeding you your images. You're not, you're not getting your images through anything other than what they want you to get. You know, people don't even realize that. They think they're all, everybody thinks that, you know, they've discovered something. They're not discovering it. They're only discovering what, what you know, they're being fed. Being fed to you. What, you know, people want them to, yeah. And, and people don't even realize it. And people need to wake up and just start going, look, you know, they're just buying this whole thing, everything, lock, stock, and barrel, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, what's on TV, which is garbage, the media, which is garbage, you know, because they, you know, they basically allowed Donald Trump to become who Donald Trump was, you know, because they gave him free time and he played him. He's, he's basically a con man. He conned him. And you'll find out, you know, I mean, you're going to find out about if he's not a peach. You'll find out within the, the next year or two that everything everybody said about him as a con man is correct. Unless somehow or another he grows a set, you know, and does something for people, you know, and actually realizes that, you know, all these things that he said he was going to do for all these people, you know, and all those promises that he made that he's already starting to have to break because, you know, he's realizing that, you know, you can't just do that stuff that you say you have to go to congress you know all the stuff that i said earlier you have to go to congress and you have to get them to vote for this stuff otherwise it doesn't become law and so you know he's realizing the same thing that people you know all the things that he said that made that sounded all great and wonderful like he's going to get in he's just going to go you do this and you do that no it doesn't work like that homie you got to go in you got to lobby for this stuff you got to get uh republicans are in the majority now so you know because the, the Republicans run the House and the Senate, which means they should be able to pass almost any law that he can come up with. You know, the only problem is filibuster because you know Democrats can kind of stop them from doing some things. But for the most part, they get to go back, get rid of Obamacare. They get to you know if if but the problem is is that you know, there's 20 million people on Obamacare that actually really like it because they realize for different areas it actually works the way it was supposed to work you know and a lot of people anyway I, well you know I'm very um, very much into that political aspect of it well i, I tell you well, I, um what what bothers me the most about this thing was a couple of things one is the stark difference between barack obama and how he was treated and how he was scrutinized versus mm-hmm. how this man is not being scrutinized where he literally can have um, uh, Steve Bannon as his head advisor, who we all know to be a, na- a white nationalist. And mm-hmm. then this other gentleman, uh, Jeff Sessions, who is uh, in, the, in the 80s, was talking about how, how the, groups like the NAACP and, and other civil rights organizations were communists and you know, just, just so, so anti-civil rights. I mean, clearly anti-civil rights yeah we're already 30 35 40 years since then and now he can he can get an almost all white well not almost so far all white male administration and no one no one's critiquing that really but but if obama dared to have a mostly minority staff well he wouldn't even be allowed to do that but this white man can come and do Whatever he wants to do without scrutiny, with blatant racism. Yeah. 
Well, in all fairness, I mean, you know, and, you know, Reverend Wright was kind of, uh, uh, I guess, his his uh, banning, and they scrutinized that, obviously. Um, but he but wasn't allowed to keep him, thing. though. He had no, to disavow that no, man. He wasn't. I mean, he ain't disavow no, he Bannon. You know, well, not yet, but people have to keep up. The, you know, you got to keep up the fire. But, you know, it's, it's, they're not going to do it. I mean, because there is, I mean, look, there's a double standard, period. Because, yeah, I mean, different on, rules. If, if Barack Obama... If Barack Obama was running for president and said, you know, uh, hey, I'm a star. I can, I can, you know, these these women love me. I can go grab any of them by the crotch, and, and it's all oh, good. Oh man! If he if he said something like that and it was actually on tape, first of all, he's done. He's toast. And if his wife, if if Michelle Obama had posed for new pictures anywhere on the planet, you know, they're done. So you know, just that alone, and that and that was out before the election. People knew that, so they voted for that stuff. You know, so if you vote for that, then you, that sends a message. That means, you know, all the other stuff is academic. You know, you can, we can talk about anything, but the reality is it's a double standard, and people know it. And it's not even, it's not even a, a you know, um, you know, anything that's hidden. It's not even subtle. It's just blatant double standard. Period. And it's like giving giving the finger to people that anything ever meant anything. So you know, basically. Donald Trump, he said it. I could go in Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. People would still vote for me. He was right. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, and what does that mean? What does that say about people? What does that say about our society that people actually still went out and voted for this man after all the things that he said? What he said about Muslims? What he said about, you know, uh, you know, there's my there's my Negro over there. There's my black guy over there. That's my paid black guy. <laughs> my my, my, my African American. <laughs> my my African American. I mean, you know, I mean, come on, you know, I, you know, things like that, <laughs> things like that make me so angry that I just, it's hard for me to really, you know, contain myself, but, you know, I have to, because otherwise, you know, so, but all I'm saying is like, you know, it's, there's a double standard and it, and it is what it is. And I think that all you can do, people like me, we have to do what we, what we were born to do. We, we have, you know, I have a gift to write songs. I can write, you know, I, it's, it's, it's sick how many songs I write and how many songs I've written and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, it doesn't matter if people don't get behind artists. You know, I think people somehow or another, again, society has lulled people into this belief that somehow or another, if you're not, if you don't still have huggy prints around your waist, you know, then you're irrelevant. People need to get out of that, man. You know, it's like, look, you know, you have a long life, you know, just stay healthy and be a part of, the world, be a part of society, keep contributing. Don't be lulled into some false belief that somehow at 30, your life is done. And the only thing you can do now is just, you know, be, you know, ignorant to what the youth do. No, you can have your own thing. My parents did, you know, I mean, they were listening to, you know, Millie Jackson, Rudy Ray Moore. I mean, they had a life poop. Uh, was it? Um, and there was this one group that they were listening to, um, Poo-Tang, and I forget what the name of the group was, but my mom used to listen to kinds of crazy, wild man. They had their own thing. They were like, oh, you know, you got, you know, the Donny Osmond or whoever it is that you, y'all going there, you go, you go listen to that. We going to listen to this. And they were listening to blues, and they had their own thing, you know. And back then, I really didn't understand it, you know, because I just, I was like, okay, well, I, you know, and I'd go listen to, even though I was listening to that stuff. I mean, because I wasn't going to be contained with just listening to, 
you know, the teeny bop stuff. I was listening to everything. I was listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. I was listening to Ohio Players. I was listening to Curtis Mayfield. I was listening to James Brown. I was listening to Joni Mitchell. I was listening to Bob Dylan. I was listening to Bob Marley. I was listening, you know, I mean, because I wanted to be aware. I wasn't going to, you know, allow myself to just, oh, this is what everybody's into, so I'm going to be a follower, and I'm just going to listen to this little, this little circle of music right here, period. I mean, how shallow is that? I mean, come on. You know, it's like people out there trying to, you know, open your horizon. This is your one little time limit, just well, isolating that, yourself in the one little area. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that that's my concern, Andre. Is um, and I'm thinking when you were, you were listing some names, you no, know, Gil Scott Heron was another one. That was a powerful voice. Yeah, oh man, extreme. <laughs> that was my I mean, I mean, favorite this, artist. Yeah. I mean, you know, this this was this was regular stuff for black people. Um, uh, the exactly. Isley Brothers got rough on occasion. I mean, this is this was yes, regular did, stuff. Yeah. It, it wasn't. Yeah. So I guess what I'm what I'm thinking of, and this is one of the reasons why I reached out to you, is because I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking. Um, there seems to be kind of going back to what we talked about with with uh, President Obama. There seems to be different rules, not only for our president, but for black people and people of color in general, where it seems as if we are being force fed and segmented in a certain way. Whereas at least before, even with the because the corporations have always been there. But it seems like mm-hmm. there was always a, a difficult way to deal with black people like black. You know, we still had our own thing and we still play our own music and they really couldn't necessarily control the sound. But um, when I, that's why I've been very, very um, proactive with, with trying to get you on the Afropunk bill, billing. I spoke to um, Jocelyn Cooper and I mm-hmm. told her that, you know, that you were doing some work with the revolution and you and Bilal and the whole gang. And I know she was trying very hard to get Prince um, because there's, mm-hmm. it would have been an inevitability to have um, yeah. all these folks, you know, Vernon Reed has been on, on in Afropunk and and mm-hmm. uh, George Clinton and Janelle Monae and uh, Saul Williams. I mean, it, it and these we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people now, mostly mm-hmm. black people are listening to rock music in Brooklyn, in Georgia, in Paris, and in London, and for mm-hmm. some reason, this is not a story. I'm gonna say, how, how can this? How can this be? So I, I kind of want want you to talk about, you know, uh, you, you're from Minneapolis, and and we know the story of the cadre of, of musicians that come from Minneapolis. How you were listening mm-hmm. to Led Zeppelin as you were listening to Smokey Robinson. Mm-hmm. So so what? So what? Where where do we go now when we do know there's a black rock movement at afoot? I mean, it's not even like a mystery. There are black rock musicians. But for some reason, it's a, it's like a hidden thing. Why is it hidden when there's 100,000 people in August on the Afropunk? It was 100,000 people there. Why is this why is this hidden? You know, it doesn't make any sense. I think the only thing that I can offer is any kind of a you know, any kind of reason. You know, is people have to embrace it. You know, I mean, and I think that when when I say people have to embrace it, it has to break through the mainstream because a lot of people don't seem like they can accept something until it breaks through the mainstream. And it, it, it usually takes an artist, you know, somebody to crack open, to bust that bubble. And then people go, damn, yeah. And then they see it. And I think that's what's getting ready to happen. You know, be great if it's me. You know, I mean, but whoever <laughs> it is, you know, I mean, cause you know, I mean, there's some things going on that, that I'm doing that, you know, are starting to, you know, open some 
open some doors and you know and and uh, you know people are writing some, some cool stuff you know um about about what I'm doing and stuff like that and so i I just think you know um you know you have to keep at it you can't let it let up and and I think you're onto something because I think you're right it's starting to break and people are starting to realize that you know ain't nothing wrong with hip hop but there's enough room for everybody you know and and I, I gotta say man I'm feeling Tribe Called Quest new piece man that that joint oh is, yeah I am too it's crazy yeah I am yeah. too actually it is and so Tribe yeah and but I just think go ahead I was gonna say you know Tribe Called Quest is local to our area where we broadcast. And it's yeah. it's refreshing to see that there is that you know they're actually because of Fife passing uh, again 2016 mm-hmm. people are passing way too young, but um, they're naming young. streets after after Tribe Called Quest and and and, and hearing the musicality because you know that uh, that Q-Tip is a musicologist he loves music and knows mm-hmm. a lot about the history of music uh, and that's no, to get a little Believe bit of radio me, radio play, yeah. but I, I guess my my thing is you know. It's frustrating because this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because, you know, uh, hell, even with the comic stuff, the the the, the comic books, there was mm-hmm. a, a um, there was a there was a meeting at the New York Comic Con between called the Blurs meet meet the Afro Punks, and Corey Glover okay. and Bernie Reed were at New York Comic Con talking to Blurs. Yeah. So, so there is a there is a thing going on about to pop off. But I want to see you. I want to see uh, whether it's Donald Glover because he's doing some stuff now. There's a lot of people doing some stuff. Uh, Reggie Watts. I could name a litany of artists that don't fit into a certain category that are doing some amazing things, and yet we're still being force-fed that Little Wayne is the way to go. And this is no disparaging here. Yeah. You know, I got issues with that guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to lie. I got great issues with him. I mean, but here's here's the thing, though. You know, I mean, really. I mean, because it, it don't make me mad. It just makes me laugh because I just think about, you know, my my attitude, how I used to be and I still am, is about taking it to the stage, you know. And, I mean, when I get on stage, man, it's, it's, it's about having fun. And, you know, and my thing is rock and roll. But I can get fun. People have no idea. I can get funkier than – I mean, I can do anything I want. I mean, I've mastered music. Andre, trust, trust you know. me, we know. <laughs> yeah, we no, know. I mean, I mean, you know, if I wanted to do, you know, hip hop or whatever I want to do, if I want to do jazz, you know, I mean, you know, I, because I mean, I pl- I paid the cost to know what I'm doing. I can play, I can play backwards and forwards. I can get out there, you know, I can play Hendrix stuff. I can play whatever I want, you know. And so I, th- I just think that, you know, um, I think you. And then on my thing, try to show people. Sometimes, oh man, he's doing it like, yeah. And I think that's how it's got to how it's got to break open, you know. And like I said, it's me, you know, because I'm doing I'm I'm right at that place where I need to be, and you know I've been doing what I you know I. I was doing what I was doing before. I pr- practice and play all the time. And so it's like, you know, it's just about getting that opportunity. You know, whether it's I've, I got some calls to do some shows, um, some TV things, and, you know, if we can pull these things together and I can get this stuff rolling off, you know, hey, you know. But I, I just think that when, when the opportunity comes, you got you to gotta come correct and you got to light it up. You know, you can't just 
like anything else, like the early days when I was with Prince, you know, I mean, you know, we, when we did Saturday Night Live, we were on it, you know, there was nothing like it then, you know, nobody was doing that, you know, and it's like, you know, it was the same thing. Nobody was doing stuff like that, you know, and that when the opportunity came and we were ready and we stepped on that stage and the cameras came on, we lit it up, you know, and the next thing you know, people, you know, that's what people were talking about. And it's no different, you know, um, then as now. It's There's an opportunity right now because music has gotten stagnant because people, people want something different. You know, they want to hear a different message. They want to see a different messenger, you know. And people are like, you know, I think when people get past the idea that, you know, you know, the messenger has to be some sort of, you know, you know, a little kid that just came out of, you know, a basement somewhere and he's like 12 or 14 and they realize it's about the music. It ain't about, you know, about the person, you know, yeah, the person needs to be, you know, somebody that can represent that music and that package has to be a total package that can convey that message, whatever that message is. But I think when people get past the fact that, you know, it has to be somebody that just, you know, that some executive, you know, just finished doing, you know, you know, um, one of those Disney shows, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it can be somebody that's just, you know, maybe been around, but just decide, hey, do this and does it and does it yeah. well. And, you know, that's what it is. I, I, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned the AMAs. We have a few few moments left, um, but I I um, I saw the AMAs and I saw uh, Ms. Nelson Tika uh, speak very you know forthrightly about her brother, and mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think that that was to me that obviously the highlight for me because I, I can't really look at those shows. I've looked at that part just for her. To be honest with you, yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, I think what what's what you reference is important that we need to start to see a merger of the generations because yeah, uh, I remember when, when Santana had this hit album and it, it was such a no brainer. This is the thing when you, when you, when you are a fan of music like myself and Santana is a badass. we've known Santana. I mean, Santana also yeah. influenced, I would assume you and Prince. I mean, he's a bad guy. He is a bad guy. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. when, he, when he had that album, what was that? Was Supernatural? Was that the name of the album? I think it was that album so so uh, um Rob um the one of Rob, the Rob yeah the guy from that had, group yeah um yeah I forgot the name but but that album sold I uh, maybe 12 or 13 million copies when you could still buy records <laughs> Exactly and it was one of the biggest was, albums whole, ever one biggest albums Santana was probably in his 60s or late 50s at that point and right. uh, he, they, they decided to have, okay, let's have this guitar legend and bring in the new cats. And it worked. I said, well, who, who wouldn't know that wouldn't work? But when I see, right. like, why, why, why that hasn't happened with a Stevie Wonder or any other of the, of the premier positions like yourself, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't, like, you know, yeah. why wouldn't they do that? Tony Bennett gets well, that you love. Should, but, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, no, Tony Bennett gets I mean, that Tony love. I mean, Tony Bennett's you know, not... Tony Bennett is ninety and can still sell sell to a twelve year old. How does that work? Well, here's the thing though: you got to always understand it's all about you know these days it's about branding, you know, and 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 it's about control and it's about controlling the message and controlling artists. And so to bring somebody you know together and and put money behind them and promote them and put them in front of the American people, you know, and make them a brand. 
so that whatever they have to say, you know, gets gets heard. You have to think that's a pretty deep thing, you know. So people are going to have to find their own. They're going to have to make their own heroes, and they're going to have to, you know, um, get behind people because they can, you know, they can do it, you know. But you can't expect corporations to do that. They're not. They did it back then because it was safe and it made sense. You know, Carlos Santana, pretty safe. He's not going to go out and say anything too, you know, uh, adventurous as far as you know what's going on. Yeah, he may talk about, you know. Um, the planet. He may talk about what's going on, you know, with, with what they're doing in North Dakota, you know, um, with the pipeline and all that, you know, but, you know, he may not, you know, but he wasn't back then. So they didn't have to worry about, about that. And Rob Thomas wasn't going to go out and say anything about that, you know? So that was a safe, that was a safe merger. And it made sense. Nowadays, what's, what's a safe merger for, you know, first of all, you know, I mean, again, you know, they're going to want you. They're going to want to control the message. They're going to want to tell you what you can and can't say, what you can and can't do. Otherwise, they're not going to get behind it. So, you know, like Black Man in America, I don't know if I could have released a record like that on a major label, because they'd be like, oh, you might, people might get, you know, you might create, you know, a star. We don't want that. We don't want to bring that kind of attention to our label. So why don't you change the title of that song to, you know, you don't know what it's like to be a human. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but I wouldn't do it. And then I wouldn't, you know, I either wouldn't get signed or they wouldn't promote it, you know. So you got to do it independently, and and you got to hope but, that but, people pick up on it, and it and it gets, well, you, gets heard. But you know what? What's really bizarre, and I, and I, and I think this is what really we have to key in on this. Uh, what you said is, is obviously you 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 know the music industry, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems again again for specific rules for people of color for black folk. You can sell degradation, like you can degrade yourself, and that's part oh, of the yeah, corporate yeah. plan. But if you put it Absolutely. put out Black Man in America, now that's that's the part that makes me drives me insane. How is it that yeah. calling yourself the, the nigga, 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 and all these kind of things, and, and, and the b words? I mean, really, uh, hell, Little mm-hmm. Wayne spoke negatively and put all the money about in the world behind all of that. Yeah, I mean, you mm-hmm. can speak about Emmett Till. In a bad way. I mean, which, he, which is what he did. Which is what he did. Um, yeah. You could talk about you could talk about that, but the minute you talk about black man in America, that is controversial. Mm-hmm. But calling yourself the N word, all kinds of degrading things, that's okay. So that, that's the part. Well, how you, did we get to this place where that's so, that, that that doesn't make any sense? Well, that's think about happening. it though. I mean, you, if you think about, it, I mean, again, you know, you have to look at the history, you know, and and. I mean, if you think about these, you know, corporations and their kids, because they send their kids in a, a the best colleges in the world, and that's what they, you know, and then they want their daughters and their sons to be involved in the people they want them to be involved in. They want them to look up to the people that they want them to look up at. You know, now they're not going to glorify, you know, and put on any kind of a pedestal, a positive pedestal, anybody that, you know, you know that their kids are going to look up to in a, in a positive way doesn't really make sense. If you want that to happen, do that yourself. You know, I mean, and that's just the reality. You know, and a lot of people just don't look at it that simply. And I hate to I hate to put it like that, but unfortunately, that's the reality. Is that if you think about it, you know, because you know, is is the the um, president of whatever label Lil Wayne's on, his daughter, mm-hmm. is his daughter going to look at Lil Wayne and go, I want to I want to get with him. I don't think so. So he's safe. 
That is happening though. <laughs> He's got well, a lot of kids. It, it is, but 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 think about it to, to what degree? Because think about it, if if Little Wayne was like you know was dropping some serious knowledge and was you know you know wasn't Little Wayne you know was you know because and then it became a mass thing where it's like you know because you know it happens here and there and it's you know you you know obviously it's going to happen because you know there's going to be some you know women that are going to you know executives daughters or whatever they're going to fall for whatever. But on a mass scale, no, it's not going to happen. It's not like all around the world people are going to go, hey, you know what? He's actually really smart. He's really handsome. He's yeah. really this. He's really that. I want him to be my husband. I want to have kids with this man. You know, that's not going to happen. You know, and as long as they, you know, keep putting, you know, you know, artists out that, you know, they feel are not threatening to their way of life then they're going to promote that, you know? And so, you know, I mean, I think that's what you're dealing with as far as that's concerned, you know? And, you know, I mean, so, you know, we want artists that are coming out and speaking about things and about issues that represent different aspects because, you know, there's so many different aspects of, of the black culture and black reality, you know, that, you know, aren't represented in the mainstream, you know, and we know that, you know, as black people, I knew it as when I was growing up, you know, we knew it. And you had that back when, when we were growing up. You had representation all the way around the board. You know, everybody from James James Brown to Bob Marley, from Bob Marley to, you know, to Smokey Robinson to, you know, to Stevie Wonder to, you know, I mean, the list to Jimi Hendrix, you know, doing different things to, to um, Miles and you know, to, Miles and, and Herbie Hancock and the jazz jazz crew, all that. Uh, we had all the blues. You had, you know, you had so many different people doing so many. Not that long ago, uh, uh, God, he was another uh, artist that um, Richie Havens. You know, you had so oh, many yeah. different Joan Armitage, Joan Armitage. You know, you had a, a lot of, you know, different artists back then that were doing so much different stuff. And you know, on and I think that's what made them realize, oh, wait a second, you know, because Hendrix was one of those artists that, you know. I mean, he was. People were starting to go. Wait a minute. Every you know, women all over the planet wanted to get with him, wanted to have babies with him. Wanted you know, it was like. And I think that's what you saw, and you thought, wait a second, we gotta figure out how we can change this that a little in. bit. <laughs> we gotta yeah. rein that in. I mean, really, you know, and I hate to, I hate to break it down like that, but unfortunately, I think that's just the reality, you know. And who people promote and why they promote, and you look at the movies and films, it's really you know. I mean, you know, you got James Bond, you know. I mean, where's, you know, uh, we should we need to have our own James Bond. We need to have our own um uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. We need to have our own Harry Potter, you know. I mean, you know, instead, you know, it's just but you know, but that's just a, a glimpse, you know, cuz when when we when we did make movie, uh, movies and they were paying for them, you know, we got and believe me, I love them. But they were black exploitation movies, and there was always, you know, blacks killing each other, blacks killing people, you know, and that's what they're, you know, you know, it was all this black on black, you know, crime that was being promoted, and it was in the theaters. It's all we had to go see, so we go see it, and then we wanted to be like that. It was pimping, you know, it was super fly, you know. I mean, it, it, well, really I, I tell you this much: when you break I, it down, I tell you this. I tell you this much, Andre. Um, what's what's happening on? I mean, you know this, especially in social media. Um, there's quite a few pockets 
out here, uh, what we represent on our show, we talk about these things. And these, these black Harry Potters and black science fiction stuff is actually going down that way. But I think because uh, yeah. of Donald Trump, and I hate to keep on going back to him, now I feel mm-hmm. as if black folks have got this wall. Like, like when, when Barack Obama became president, I didn't look at Barack Obama as this panacea that was going to cure every, every, every ill or every uh, ailment in the world. What I did see was, right. okay, this, this, this young black man was able to achieve the highest, uh, the, the highest office in the land. And mm-hmm. that is the line in the sand for us to say, okay, just about anything is achievable. So right. I didn't look at him as, as if, well, he's go, he should be able to do all, all things. Now that his presidency is coming to an end, and we have this guy, you know, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, which is what I think uh, mm-hmm. is what Donald Trump represents. There's nowhere else for black folks to go but to do it on our own. We have absolutely no choice. And there's enough money circulating with black folks. Our spending power, I think, is like $1.1, $1.2 trillion annually. Trillion. So if this is the yeah. case, folks that are, gonna, are going to have to figure out how to, 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 to deal with their monies, how to be a little bit more sophisticated. With, with, this goes to our musical taste, what, what uh, the junk that our children are listening to. That, listen, mm-hmm. I like salacious music. Hell, I, I listen to, I listen to the, some of the Minneapolis guys. I listen to the salacious stuff. But how was it that it, it was, quote-unquote, salacious, and yet you have all these world leaders that, 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 that are, are not – how can I put this? It, it, I've thought about this. You know, Prince, Prince obviously, you know, his music was all over the place. He could talk mm-hmm. about Ronnie go to Russia, Ronnie, Ronnie talk to Russia, and the mm-hmm. same thing as, quote-unquote, as, 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 as head. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> when you had that, that mixed bag of – and that's before I knew what that was. Okay, right. I said, "What is that?" So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's being true. So, but you, you, he, he, and all you cats gave us everything. This mm-hmm. full truth. So you can decipher all this stuff. It wasn't. It wasn't like a one-trick pony. So now I, I feel that. Uh, we're at a wall where we, we have no choice now as people of color. They listen, these white folks are not going to help us. And when they did, like what you said, when they did help us, it was always degrading. It was always a degraded picture. Yeah, it was, it was at a, it was at a, yeah, exactly. It came at a, it came at a hope, price that was. It came at a price. Go ahead. So I just hope, yeah. I just hope that, that we are able to see what you're doing, because I see what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. All the other artists, Lenny Kravitz is still still alive with us. There's a lot of cats mm-hmm. that are still throwing down. I want the return of the musician. No disrespect yeah. to the rap well, artists. I, I'm talking about people that can play. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's coming. I think that's coming. I, I'm definitely doing I'm doing my thing, you know, and and in the shows that I do, and you know, I'm definitely obviously going to play my music, but I'm going to play everybody's music. You know, because I think you got to do that. I think that's. You know, I went back and did I did some research about you know artists back in the day. I mean, even with pe- people like Jimi Hendrix and artists like that. I mean, they did a lot of um, a lot of covers, and so they brought people into what they were doing. You know, and I used to I was very adamant about just being pure. I've, I've mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reevaluating that, and I think that you know, you know, like I think it helped doing some of these print shows because you know people really really 
love the music that he did. You know, and mm-hmm. not a lot of people can pull his thing off because, you know, he's, he's nope. an exceptional <laughs> artist, you know. Nope. No, I mean, they really can't because I, I think people don't even understand what it's really all about. You can't just get anybody up there and just think that they can just go up there and do a Prince song. It doesn't work like that. No, nope. There's a lot of ag- attitude. There's a lot of swagger. There's a lot of all sorts of stuff, you know, that you got to come with, you know, to pull it off. You know, people just don't understand that until they see it. They go, oh, you know, uh, that's how that's supposed to go. You know, and it's like, Court you know, changes. Even, well, I was just getting ready to say that's funny you should say because I was just getting ready to say that because, you know, when I was doing some of the music, you know, and people were trying to, you know, figure out how it goes. It's like, I mean, I learned how to play guitar from this dude, and I, 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 I can't really say, but I think a lot of my bass style, is and a lot of the music that everybody you know, you know, is feeling from from Prince's standpoint because I you know I took pride in in learning how I play and playing my having my own style, you know, and so I think you know we learn from each other, and so when I hear those records and I hear those chord changes, I know what those chords are. I mean, I know I'm like the back of my hand. I know how they should be played, and I hear them. And people just don't. It's just anyway. That's a whole other aspect that you know is interesting. So, so in closing, um, t- tell us, tell us, you know, where we can find you, your your web space, um, your Twitter page. You know, people have to when they want to connect with you, and and even some of the the spots that you are uh, foresee yourself playing, some of the venues that you 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 have coming up. Well, you can andresimone dot com. You know, that's where you can find everything. You know. Um, and you can find Twitter on there. You can find everything. Instagram on there. You can find what I'm up to. Um, you know, where I'm playing, we're, we're starting to put all that stuff together right now. Obviously, we're going through the holidays, you know, um, and, you know, we're shooting some more, um, some photos and some videos. And we're, we're getting ready to, you know, drop our main assault, you know, right after the first of the year. You know, the album's going to probably be out in February, um, the full album. Um, so, you know. I mean, a lot of things are going on, and you know, and you know, we we never sleep over here. We keep doing what we do, you know, um, <laughs> and we and, and we're going to have to really sharpen sharpen all our tools because, you know, I mean, it's it's a new world after the first of the year, you know, and so we got to all be, you know, we got to be. I think you know one of the other things not to drift too far, you know, but mm-hmm. I think the media has shown themselves to be untrustworthy. You know, and I think that's one of the unfortunate takeaways that people have understood. And so I think now it's it's up to artists to help people understand what's really going on. I think that's, you know, again, you know, that's something that has become, I think, um, kind of what it was back in the 60s and the 70s. You know, people look to people like Stevie Wonder, people like Curtis Mayfield and James Brown to, you know, to help them, you know, to get them, you know, in, you know I guess in a frame of mind to understand that they got to look a little deeper. You know, it's not that they always have all the answers, but it's like they help them, you know, navigate through some of this garbage. And I think that that's what we got to do as artists, you know, where we're at right now and where we're getting ready to be. You know, and, and you know something, um, uh, and I, I meant every word that I said at the top of the show about what, what your music has done, meant to me and, and the Minneapolis sound. And I, I'm looking at it from just the legacy and like, wow, when you start to actually look at the scope of it and what we what we are up against coming coming with this administration and just the things that are going down, you know the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. You just referenced this. 
you know, the background music was very integral for, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was Sam Cooke, whether, like you said, Curtis yeah. Mayfield, Marvin Gaye, all that stuff yep. was very in the, in, the, in the background, pushing, pushing, pushing. I said, listen, it's about to go pushing. down again. And people I'm get like, ready. Well, keep on pushing. You know, say it loud, keep black, and proud. You know, yeah, keep on pushing. <laughs> Push. You know, keep I mean, pushing. village ghetto land. I mean, you know, the, the list really goes on and on with artists that were, you know, get up, stand up. You know, from all sort, from all over. You know, everybody it was. It was all hands on deck back then, and it's got to be all hands on deck now. Because, you know, I mean, our world can be really, really. We are at a point where we can. Our world can be what we make it. We can go in a really cool direction or a really bad direction. And my art is dedicated to trying to put us, put us, push us in the right, you know, positive direction and get everybody, you know, to go in the right, you know, to go in the right direction and to get involved. And yeah, it could be a lot of fun. You know, it can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of, you know, it can be positive, it can be fun, but it's, it's going to be funky. It's going to be music, you know, and it's going to be a message and, you know, everybody can get on board. Exactly. Uh, listen, Andre, um, we I really appreciate you coming through our show once again. Um, brother, stay alive, <laughs> please, <laughs> as best as you can. I mean, you know, I will. Um, I will do my part. You know, t- tell tell the gang, um, Morris and Sheila E and that whole crew, please. You know, we love mm-hmm. them very much. We're supportive of their music, of your music, and uh, right now it's going down. And, and uh, I I can't take any shorts. Uh, I, I don't want to see. I don't want to listen to Little Wayne going into the next civil rights movement. I don't think that's going to work. So no, uh, no. we need the, we need the Andre Simone to throw down with the, the the black men in America. And I know you did a cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. So I mean, right. this is what we need to hear. So yeah, sir, no, 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 it's, it's, I'm going to continue. Yeah. I'm going to continue supporting you and telling folks to go to your your website. And we'll keep in touch. And I, I, I'm trying to get you on this Afropunk thing. I spoke to, I spoke to uh, I spoke to, um, to the young lady that runs it, uh, Cheryl um, Jocelyn Cooper. So I think that might work out. So I, I'm like the song cool. says, keep on pushing. That's what I'm doing. As yeah, always, no, we, sir. We're gonna do, we're gonna do it. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me. I really appreciate it. Always, man. Uh, happy holidays to your family, and um, you know we'll we'll keep on pushing. Definitely. Same to you. All right. You take care. Oh, you too. Thank you, man. Thank you. Folks, that was Andre Simone. The great Andre Simone. Uh, go to com. certainly. He has a, he has a SoundCloud page, um, a Bandcamp page as well. Uh, you, you heard him at the, about his Twitter, uh, Twitter address, at AndreSimone.com. I'm mean, sorry, at Andre Simone at Twitter. Uh, folks, we're going to take uh, a musical break. I think we're going to go out with more Andre Simone. Then we're going to come back and speak about some politics. The call-in number remains the same. I see some folks online. And some folks, the, uh, the, the uh, chat room is on fire. But I was so enthralled with speaking to one of my musical heroes that I, I just want to speak to him. So, again, it's 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. We're going to give you more power groove from Mr. Simone. And uh, when we get back, we're going to talk more about, uh, you know, Hamilton. The folks at Hamilton gave, gave it to uh, Mr. Pence. But listen, I'm going to fight for you. This is Hot Night in the Neighborhood. Hot Night in the Neighborhood. Andre Simone, 
folks, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Once again, the mighty Andre Simone, Hot Night in the Neighborhood. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Normally, Captain is out on assignment. Remember, folks, this Saturday at 6 p.m., we have uh, the gang in full effect. We do our blurdy Afro Nerd stuff. That is the Grindhouse. Where we talk about all things nerdy and sci-fi and fantasy and so forth. Many of the things that we referenced in our last conversation, uh, again, you know, the Black Panther as a movie is coming out. Um, there's a lot of sci-fi work that's coming out. Hell, we, we're seeing Thandi Newton and the great Jeffrey Wright, who coincidentally was at Afropunk. Uh, see how, the, how everybody is just connecting. Uh, these two folks of color are, play very prominent roles on Westworld, HBO's Westworld. So, uh, again, things are going down, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm reaching out to the heroes. You know, we had uh, Maceo Parker on. Uh, this is going back maybe a year or two. Um, 
you know, you, you, have to, you have to speak to these people. You do. They have very interesting lives. They're very talented. And uh, this year especially, I mentioned at the top of the show, 2016 was a rough road, man. Uh, you know, uh, David Bowie is no longer in the building. Prince Rogers Nelson, I, I still can't believe it months later. He is gone. Uh, Sharon Jones, who we saw, if you go to YouTube, perform with Mr. Nelson uh, in Paris. Those two giants were performing together. So, um, you know, it's important, it's integral to acknowledge these people, to shout them out, to tell them, listen, you know, we appreciate what you're doing, continue doing it. And, and, and the, you know, the term now, keep on pushing, is, is very prescient. Um, the call in number, I see some more lines are opening up. 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Um, folks, if you'd like to join in on the discourse, press 1. I see numbers, but some folks like to listen in their, listen in their cars um, without necessarily participating. But if you'd like to participate, just press number 1. That way, it's like raising your hand in class. Anyway, um, let's, let's talk about this Donald Trump thing a, a bit more. Now, I, I find it interesting that the folks at Hamilton kind of brought it to the Donald Trump administration, and they're being critiqued for this. Uh, I have to reference, reference Mr. Simone, what he said at the, the last, last segment. You know, the media are in cahoots with what's going on. It's clear that you can't, you can't, you can't critique people. Um, Cass and Hamilton. I think that the the that the uncanny Daryl B mentioned this. The folks at Hamilton. They had said to Mike Pence, the vice president elect, look out for the people of color, look out for these protected classes. It really wasn't disrespectful. And Mike Pence didn't necessarily take it that way. He just took it as if, well, listen, the people are speaking. It's a public forum the way that the president-elect has taken it. Your president-elect said it was disrespectful. So let me get this straight. A man that could, that could grab, quote-unquote, trim. I'm using the PG term. He can grab trim. He can make fun of the handicap. He, he can talk about Mexican folk in a very disrespectful way, saying that only some Mexicans or he, he, he would suspect or I suppose Mexicans, I'm paraphrasing, there are some Mexicans that are fine people. I mean, do you understand how disrespectful that is? So he opened up the space to speak in a non-political, politically correct manner. But when these artists approach approach his second in command with with a criticism respectfully respectfully that's actually disrespect according to, to according to Donald Trump and for some reason what is classified as the truth is not really the truth now how does how does that happen how do we get to the point where the truth is no longer the truth. I've, I've actually found myself looking up the term, like actually going to Wikipedia, going to online dictionaries, 
to 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 deconstruct the definition of truth. That means something. How do we get to the point where I ha- I have to question everything that's coming out of the mouths of the talking heads, the punditry, Joe Blow down the block? I I I don't know what the truth is because no, there's no way to squarely say. Two plus two is four. I, I I work under the premise that two plus two is four, and that we can all agree on the truth, and that we we can differ on some things, but there are there are some hardcore truths, rock solid truths that people we can agree that there are certain things that are factual. We're in a, we're in a space now where different satellites have their own set of truths. They have their own fan bases, and my truth isn't your truth. We're in a we're in a do world order. We have a phone call. I think I know who this person is. Uh, let's bring in one of the stalwart supporters of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine, Mr. Storm. Is that you? It's me. I'm a little under the weather. That's why I was. Uh, I didn't call in. Plus, I wanted to hear everything Andre had to say. I didn't want to interrupt with my questions. But oh, um, no problem. yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah, man. This is. We got a guy who um, will call out the cast members of Hamilton, even though it's, even though his VP elect had no problem with it. But he won't call out Richard Spencer for giving a speech just last Saturday, right, not too far from the from the White House. Uh, where people were sick highling, including Tila Tequila. You know, he won't yeah, call that of all out. people. You know, but <clears throat> what it is, is I'll take it back to uh, geeks, to geekdom. It's like, you remember the mutant Proteus in the X-Men back in the day? Um, of course. The Taggart, he had right. the ability to warp, he had the ability to warp reality. And that made him very powerful. And that's what we see happening here. You, you're right on, you're right on target. When you can, <clears throat> when you can make lies, when you, I'm sorry. When you can make facts, uh, uh, you make facts be in dispute, you're warping reality, and that gives you power over the the non cogitative people. And we all know who the non cogitative people are. I'm not going to go into detail. We all know, but that's what this man is doing. He's warping reality, and it's going to backfire on some of the people who voted for him because, as you see. He's going. He's backtracking against the wall. He's backtracking on Obamacare. He's backtracking on um, the Muslim ban. But I still that that doesn't make me feel any better because what that says is that you. This is a guy who will say anything to to get what he wants. So when he says to those six button suit wearing pimp pastors that he's got a black a plan for the black community, I don't believe. Why should I believe that? When when he says to when he has Diamond and Silk come on stage and and uh, and uh, you know uh, act out for him, you haven't heard from them lately because he's already won. So I guess he sold them to another plantation. So what he's doing, he's warping reality, which makes him powerful. And I don't even want to get into people who say, well, Trump and Hillary were the same. That's why I didn't vote. I don't have I don't have the wherewithal or the patience for that. So I, I hand it back to you. Well, I, I want you. There's all the calls coming in, and I want you to stay on the on the line. Um, and, and you know, we've spoken about this before, and when it was still fresh, when the wound was still fresh. And I, I don't want you to think that I, I was. 
I, I might have come come across as if I was very nonchalant about what was happening, but I think I, I think there is a certain um, posture that those in the know take when they've seen this before, and it's very interesting. What I mean by that, if you saw the um, the great Dave Chappelle special, and as expected, he's got three specials coming, I think, via Netflix or something to that effect. So uh, it's already going down. It, it goes to show you. When you are of a certain ta- skill set, certain talent, you can come out at any time, 10, 12 years later, boom, right back in the saddle again. Anyway, um, you know, when, if you remember his opening, his opening of the SNL show from uh, last week or two weeks ago, and he said, you know, I, I, uh, you know he speaks in a, in, a, in a kind of a stereotypical white tone. He says, uh, you know, well, you know, the, some people were some. I'm paraphrasing. But he said some people were shocked about the uh, about the Donald Trump win, but I, I know I know the whites. <laughs> I know you whites, <laughs> and people chuckled. You know I know the whites, but he, he when he said that that was that was really you know and he he, he had the, he had a certain posture that I recognized. That's, that's how I felt when if you notice the other legendary skit now with he and the other proficient humorist. Chris Rock, that was a replicant of, of any other uh, night where there were Hillary, Hillary supporters. They just assumed they, had, they got it like that. Those two were in the corner like, you know, we're not really shocked. You know, the, the, the white, the, their, their white friends were shocked. Those two, the blacks in the room were like, well, you know, this is, this is pretty much, we saw this coming. So my concern, Q, and I've said this before, and it may be repetitive. I'm tired of seeing asleep black people. And, and I, 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 I am very, very um, concerned that we can no longer afford to have the kind of music. Because music is motivating. Music, believe it or not, art, you know, now there's no longer STEM as an acronym. acronym it's STEAM. Science, technology, engineering, art, and math. So art is a part of STEM, now STEAM. Art is important. We, you can't have junk food. I always likened music as a type of meal that you ingest. And if you ingest junk food all day, uh, shout out to Morgan Spurlock, we know what happens. And that's where we are right now. We, are, we have been ingesting junk food. We can't afford this. So when I see the little Wayne who, who is clearly a minstrel, you know, we need Stevie Wonder now. I mean, Stevie Wonder's closing in on 70. He's no longer little Stevie. Little Stevie. You know, we need these people that can still throw out, throw out a certain message. We need to divest, not invest, divest from minstrel hip-hop. I've never seen... Andre Simone comes from uh, comes from a certain um, a certain generation where it's expected that when something goes down, I'm going to I'm going to react to it. I'm going to rea- write a song. Q, you and I, we, we, I know you know what I'm talking about. I don't re- I don't recollect a time when your the artists, even if they, even if they were doing salacious music, they would still make room because of the atmosphere. To to react to what's going on, you can't have what's go, what's going on now. Zeke Isle, all this Nazi references, uh, 
you you have a white nationalist as an advisor to the president. I mean, uh, we, listen, that might have always happened, but this guy has it where he has a marquee saying he's a white nationalist, literally. And we're we we're gonna we're still gonna have designer. I got broads in Atlanta. Is this still going? Is this still going to happen? Because if, if that happens going into 2017, then we are truly doomed. Divesting from these people, even if it's people that look like you, we're going to have to divest from these people. Maybe Oprah Winfrey has to be checked. Maybe she has to be checked because when 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 it came down to having an answer for this Donald Trump, she was saying like, well, you know, maybe it's going to be all right. Like, you know, like he's going to help you. I'm not I'm not looking at Donald Trump that way. When I said that this might be the best thing, I'm looking at it like, okay. Um, Hillary Clinton, if she were to have, if she were to be in office, it, it might have been a sleeping pill for black people. Just we just keep keep you on, on medication, and you still remain the same. But now, your cancer has metastasized. See, before your cancer was in remission with with, with uh, Hillary Clinton, with exactly, Donald Trump. That's exactly that's exactly the uh, metaphor I was using. Yes. It's like, so it's like now, the doctor tells you, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, I was just using this today. It's like your doctor tells you you have incurable, you have cancer that will kill you, but I have, he's going to give you a treatment that's going to make you very uncomfortable with the side effects, and you choose not to take the treatment because you want a better treatment, but in the meantime, while you're waiting for the better treatment, you die of the cancer. You know, I'd rather wait four years and take the uncomfortable treatment and possibly be in remission four years later as opposed to dying in a year. That's me. Q, hold on for a second. I'll keep you, still keep you on. We have another caller. 253, welcome to the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Normally, Captain is out on assignment. Uh, tell us who you are and where you're calling from. 253. John, that's from C-Town, buddy. Hey, John, what's up, man? Nice to hear from you. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Andre Simone. Um, oh yeah. What are your thoughts? Of, what are your thoughts about what we're talking about? I mean, you know, um, you are, you you are, you have a, uh, a a special ear to what we're saying here at, at Afro Nerd. Um, and I and listen, I'm supposed to be the conservative, and I'm I, I guess I'm I am having arguments or discussions with people who call themselves conservatives and look at me like I'm a liberal. And I said, this is a whole new world order now. This is different. This is different. <laughs> you know, well, you, you, you wrote a rather profound um, uh, a message, and I read it out uh, last time. So what are your thoughts about what we're saying? And, and I, don't, I don't want to racialize everything, but there's a lot of components when you have Nazis saying, hey, we're here. We're, we're not leaving. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Okay, I'll be the white guy in the room. No problem. Especially if you're going after my favorite Bitcoin boy here. Um, well, just to get to the point that you're trying to make here, um, when you say conservative, what do you mean by conservative? Let me ask that question first. To me? Well, yes, to you. My, my, okay, okay. Well, first, as far as my interpretation of conservatism, I'm going back to, I'm hearkening back to, I mean, I'm looking at this from, from um, a person of color as a black person. Old school conservatism. Circa uh, Booker T. Washington, um, uh, Frederick Douglass, um, where where we are less reliant on the government 
where we have uh, our own uh, infrastructure, um, where we we may I may be um, socially liberal on some things, but more financial financially conservative. Thrift. Uh, I'm talking about the basic definition of conservative. I'm not talking about uh, taking away folks folks lives uh, livelihoods or or, or um, you know, having a, taking a, an issue with with a gay person who wants to get married. You know, I, you know, I'm not marrying a dude, so it's not my life. So why why am I in, a, in another person's business? So I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it from that perspective. This is something else. This is a totally different animal. And also one other thing, conservative conservatism for me and for for folks of color again is only as a bargaining tool. That that if if a if a Democrat does not win. For your for the next go around, there needs to be equal representation to protect your interests in some way, just as a balance, just as a balancing thing. Um, but not about racism, obviously. I can't go I can't go there for obvious reasons. I mean, I just you know it's it's, it's I'm looking at, at the the textbook definition of conservatism. This is not neoconservatism. Matter of fact, I, I would even consider myself more of a moderate. So that's that's what it that's what it means to me. This is. This is nationalism. This is something else, but that's my definition. Okay. Well, really go back to 9-11. I mean, what was the uh, big rallying cry besides, you know, never forget? It was, you're either with us or against us. And that's how they silenced dissent after 9-11. Uh, Neoconservatism uh, has been defined as submission to the people in power. You see that all over the place. The whole thing with the Blue Lives Matter movement. It's about the cops are the ones in charge, do what they say. Well, what, if, what they're doing and what they're saying is wrong. Who's the ones that are challenging them? That's where people get stuck. That's why all the moderate conservatives like you define yourself as are being pushed out of the party as it gets more and more radicalized. Yeah, you're correct on that. I mean, this is this is a point. It is it is a radicalized thing because, um, again, you have Jeff Sessions as a as the AG as the Attorney General potentially. You have uh, Steve Bannon, who you know this whole alt right, which is just to me just a, just a rebranding of what we've all, what we've seen before. It's it's the same talk talking points, but what what is becoming more. Uh, more frightening is that I'm seeing a uh, just everyday people now. I don't want to come across like I'm I'm being paranoid, but maybe you know paranoid. Does, being paranoid doesn't mean that someone isn't looking at you. But I'm seeing a lot of folks that are, that are just dismissive of the the, the racism and, and and the ethnocentrism and uh, the sexism. They're being very dismissive of that for this Trump business, and it's it's not even about. About the, the the conservatism, that's that's not even about the politics. It's about is this man capable to do the job? And all the 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 the, um, the hand wringing and scrutiny that Barack Obama had about how he wasn't qualified and all that stuff. Okay, that was just a, that was just a bunch of bunk because this man doesn't have any of the the political or governmental experience or legal experience that Barack Obama had, and yet no one says anything. It's all good. You know, his, his, uh, this woman who was a mayor out of West Virginia, out of some town or something, 
and her 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 colleague, they lost their jobs, but they were they were busy calling Michelle Obama an ape in heels. Uh, so when you go into that kind of derision and primitivism, when you t- when you go this way, it was never about Barack Obama. I mean, it, you know, I guess maybe I got my wake up call, but it was never about Barack Obama, uh, his politics. When you're calling people simians, this woman is a is a Harvard trained attorney, and in plate, but in place of of Melania, who is is a bought woman, uh, uh, nude photographs all over the place, lesbianism with a woman. That's that's your first lady, and it's all good. But but they said, well, you know, now we have a we have a, a, an attractive, good, decent, uh, proper first lady compared to a Harvard trained, accomplished woman of color. I, I'm. I, I had no response to that. There's people like me that want to see Michelle Obama run. She deserves a good chance to kind of show what she knows and what she can do. Um, I don't think she wants that, but I think we need it. We need it. She she may have to do this as she may have to she may have to fall on the sword for the lack of a a, a, of a uh, an analogy. She may have to just do because I I don't. It's got to be someone who is. who can pull people together that, 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 that's kind of attractive enough to say, okay, we can get behind her with excitement. I, I think, unfortunately, um, all the baggage that, that Secretary Clinton had, she just wasn't exciting as a personality. So I think you're going to have to bring someone like I, – I, I don't know. I, I, I think she may have to reconsider. Well, there was a lot Sorry, wrong with Hillary Clinton that we just don't have time to get into, unfortunately. But as far as you – know, as far as like Trump goes, you know what's the counter argument? Um, if you look at the Democrats, you know who are they bringing in to lead their party? You know what lessons did they learn from this? You know, absolute utter disaster. And it's the same people with the same attitudes that are what I would call Republican light. They're not making the counter argument. That's why I am really worried about what the next four years are going to look like. Well, you know, um, I'm sorry, uh, Q. Did you want to say something? I thought you were you were wanted to chime in. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when you were talking about what we're seeing, you know, in terms of uh, Carl Higby, who just yesterday I want to say he was speaking to Megyn Kelly, and he actually had the gall to reference uh, Japanese internment during World War II as a um, precedent for this Muslim registry that uh, the Trump administration is is thinking about uh, executing on. So I'm just going to say, yeah, these, these are, these, this is new, terri- new territory for the modern age. I, I would never think I'd hear this being bandied about in casual conversation. It's, it's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, um, well, you know, and it's also a bit of a phoniness attached to this. I, I can't recollect the young lady's name, but I, I've seen her, you know, I do look at CNN. You know the latest controversy with this this correspondent who uh, she had a guest that was critiquing Bannon. He was critiquing Bannon. He happened to be a white gentleman, and he used the N-word in context. In context. And instead of dealing with Bannon as the problem, it was chastising this man about, you know, you, you, you said the N-word. I mean, well, listen, we're not children. I you know I'm not I'm not attached to that word, but 
I can appreciate when someone speaks uh, in a truthful manner. I can take I can take anything. You can say just about anything in context. But now he was chastised and infantilized. And I say so. It's okay. So I'm, I so we're at the point now where the, the mere utterance of the word. Now, little Wayne can say it at ad, ad nauseum, but uh, in and out of context. The, it's the same thing with CNN. They got chastised for putting on the lower third a reference to a quote that, that some idiot made on CNN that they were interviewing, where the guy said he questioned if Jews were humans. So they put that quote down there to expose them, right. and CNN was chastised for that. See, this is why I don't think. Your strategy, and I'm not, I'm not coming at you, but your strategy of well, this is going to be the 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 catalyst for us to get our act together. It, I, I think that's going to fail because again, we're focusing on the wrong things. We're focusing on Microsoft emails that sound like the N word and the things we've just yeah, cited. Yeah. So you, we don't you, have you our stuff together. To Twitter. No, I was saying I, I recognize that story that you 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 sent that. I, I thought that was incredible. Well, there you go. There you go. They, you know, that's why I I fear that we're not going. We're not ready to mount a campaign against this guy because we are focusing on the most ridiculous things. Well, I mean, listen. That that that's I I when I spoke to Andre about this, I I, I was kind of hinting at that. I'm concerned that folks aren't, I mean, across the board, uh, cross-racially, that folks are kind of in this, and John just talked about this. The Democrats, you know, listen, I saw this coming a long time ago, and I, and I, and I don't, maybe because we're, we're out here, especially in, in, in cyberspace, um, we're, we're not living in, in a jaded situation. Some of our quote-unquote leaders appear to be jaded. And you're sitting there, and you're looking at, and they're not feeling the vibe in the room, or, or one of my favorite statements, they're not reading the room well. And this is a consistent thing. When I saw what happened with Brexit, I thought that was going, that was the the precursor to what to what happened uh, a few weeks ago. Um, when I saw Hillary Clinton hook up with the Congressional Black Caucus, and I saw Charles Rangel and the whole, and, and the gang was all there smiling. I said, this is this is getting the gang, this is getting the band back together again. This is the band getting back together, and I, something about the picture and their their their, um, their positioning. So th- this is you you guys are look, treating this like riding a bike, like you you know you haven't ridden a bike in like ten years and you get back on one. So oh, okay, I'm I'm back on the saddle again. I'm back on the on a bike seat, banana seat. And so this is not this is a new world order. And Hillary Clinton got the band back together again and didn't realize that we have MP3s now. <laughs> you got to figure out there's no more, there's no more uh, Tower Records. You got to figure out a new way. You, you, you're going to have to figure out a new way to sell your music. And she didn't, she didn't contour to that. And that's one of the reasons why she lost that. She didn't, she didn't get the zeitgeist that you have to speak real. Donald Trump spoke Man, I, I, I got to mention this. We got about four minutes remaining, but I have to mention this. I just so happened to listen to an interview with uh, Trevor Noah, the Daily Show host, South African um, man of color. This man's story, he's only 32 years old. I, I, I saw the interview. I know the interview you're talking about. NPR, right? The NPR interview? 
NPR. Yes, yep. NPR, Fresh Air. Yep. yep. I listen to this. I mean, oh my God. Trevor Noah is so um, his 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 deportment, um, his, his ability the ability to speak so many languages. I mean, heck, I would I, I I'm going to try to get this guy on the show. His story is so. It's a lesson. It's a lesson. And again, people who have seen I I I saw his skit about African dictators, and how he saw Donald Trump. Very much like an African dictator, he was able to to peep uh, Donald Trump's moves early, and his very even I said this even I maybe I have an elitism thing going on I say it jokingly, but uh, I was turned off by his manner of speech. I, I would sit there and say he speaks too he, stupidly. Why does he? Why is his? Why is his vocabulary? I, I'm so I, you know listen. Uh, of course, I'm going to gravitate towards a fellow Afro nerd in, in Barack Obama. He's a constitutional law professor. So I, I get him. But speaking to Trump where he says things like, well, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton is bad and NATO was bad. Like, he really he, – he speaks this way. I was like, well, who's going to go for that? He speaks, he speaks, speaks and spoke so simplistically that he resonated with – the general U.S. populace, and that's one of the reasons why he won. But when you hear um, Trevor Noah's story, and maybe I will, will revisit it on Saturday, because he's, he's part of pop culture, but coming from apartheid uh, and how, how uh, his birthright being of, of, of mixed ancestry, or mixed parentage, pardon me, um, it, it's just the story... You, you heard it. it. It makes you look at what we're dealing with here. That to him, this is this is a walk in the park, and I don't think I don't think we're ready. Like he's already seen this stuff up close. Our parents saw this stuff up close, but we have never seen it. We are the post civil rights generation, so to look at this stuff up close and how they're trying to revisit it. When I heard uh, Trevor Noah speak about absolute, an absolute racist regime and living under those circumstances, how absurd it was, these folks, like this Spencer character you just referenced, and, and all these power players that Donald Trump unabashedly has put on his, in his cabinet, um, black folks and, and, and our progressive white brethren and all these folks coming in, Jewish people, all these people, Latin folks, uh, Native Americans, it's going down. And there's no time to play. We have to be ready because we're not going back again. I spoke to the Oracle. Long-time listeners know the Oracle is my dad. He said, I'm not going back to this. We're not going back to 1950. I, I saw uh, John Hutton speak that way. We're not going back. We're not going back. Anyway, gentlemen, absolute pleasure. Uh, shout out to Andre Simone for stopping by. Saturday, 6 p.m., The Grindhouse. I'm going back to this groove I played before. I'm digging this child, childish Gambino. Maybe there's hope. Uh, Redbone, channeling Prince, I suspect. Uh, 6 p.m. Saturday, it's been real. <laughs>